This episode is supported by Messenger Girls, a faith and frontier book, boutique, and gift store. Go to www.messenger-girls.com and use promo code IGST10 for 10% off your order today. Once again, that's messenger-girls.com and use promo code IGST10 for 10% off your order. Welcome back to the In God She Trust podcast with your host, Tasha Messenger. And Katri Cooper. Good job for remembering what the name is. You're welcome. <laughs> I was listening to the last episode, the last time that I had to, I had to laugh because I totally forgot that we had blundered a little bit at the beginning. Yeah. And so it intros and like there's this lull and the laughter and, and it made me, I had to laugh, I was laughing out loud because I was like, oh yeah, we kind of like botched that whole introduction last week. <laughs> so, I was like, um... What's the, what is our <laughs> name again? We? Who are we? I, I don't know. But thank you for listening. And um, I would just like to encourage, you don't have to, of course, but I would encourage you to rate it. and review. <laughs> Tasha's like, I will force you. Rate and review this podcast. We do appreciate the feedback. Um, be nice, please. <laughs> <laughs> don't be nasty. Nice reviews. <laughs> no, like, like even if you have like, you know, corrections, mm-hmm. you know, or you like have some criticism, it's welcomed. Yeah. But like, don't be a jerk about it. You For know sure. what I mean? Um, but we, I mean, we, we can only get better with, you know, some feedback and we would appreciate some feedback. So, um, it's funny because, um, my mom has given us some feed, me, some, <laughs> some feedback. Pray tell. And she's, she's great. And she makes really, um, she makes like really good comments and she's like, you, oh, uh, and now, now I'm going to tell it and I'm going to totally tell myself. She said, um, you say like way too much. You need to cut that. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. So now it's, um, it's in my head. Oh, I've caught myself though. I've had to oh, man. I, like just nails on a chalkboard when I, I'm like, how many times am I going to say, you know, you know, in you know. about yeah. a, a 30 second period, you're going to say it five times. Great. Next week you did six. You're just, <laughs> you are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just those little personal yeah. ticks, I guess. Yeah. And then we, she also told, Oh, go ahead. It's so funny because I interrupted you and she says, you, you interrupt Tasha too much. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no. And so I did it and I caught it. I'm like, oh no. So I'm sorry for, for interrupting oh, you. Oh gosh, I'm, no. It's, it's a, it's a friendly dynamic. It yeah. doesn't matter. It's just casual conversation. So don't, yeah. I'm, I'm just not. like, I'm not trying to, I did it again. <laughs> no, it's, you're good. It's good. It's all good. I have to have the upper hand. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So anyways, but it was good. And, you know, she listened to the first one and she, she said, you need to have more addresses for your verses. I'm mm-hmm. like, I caught that before you did mama. That's already in the works. But oh, I'm the, I'm the worst about that one though. I'm like, hard. oh yeah, you remember, you know, in the Bible where it says this and this and this, or you'll paraphrase and it's like, you don't have nothing to back it up if people are uh-huh. trying to. And so we do apologize. We're going to try yeah. to be better about that. Yeah. You know, it's so, like we have ner- nerds, notes. <laughs> we have nerds. We're nerds. nerds for notes. Um, I am. <laughs> <laughs> for sure um we've lost like half of our listeners by this or point. gained double. or <laughs> there you go um but yeah I did get some feedback from a friend of mine and um she's like I listened to the first episode and she's like and I cried mm-hmm. and I 
um, I was, you know, I'm going to like tell on myself a little bit because I feel like we need to be humble, open and transparent. Like the pride kind of kicked up in me and I just heard the Holy Spirit said, don't you dare take credit mm. for that. And I was like, yes, sir. Like, you know, like I got a little bit yeah. like I was happy for her. And she was like, you know, you said some stuff that was convicting and, you know, you confirmed some things and it was just awesome. And I was just like, I got like that proud. And he goes, uh, don't you dare. Mm. And so I was like, yes, sir. Like he, he, cause he knows that I'm very, I have a very competitive spirit and he knows that I want to do well and I want to exceed. And I, especially when he's given us this platform and he's commanded us to do this platform, I want to do well. And so like, if I get good feedback, it's not necessarily like, Oh, look at me. It's like, yes, I did well. But it's like, I also did well because he told me what to say. And he's like, don't you dare take credit for that. I, I was actually listening to an interview from Strand Smith. He's real big in the NFR circuit. Mm-hmm. And um, he he was doing this interview, and it was kind of cute because his wife, they've they've kind of got this cute history, but she was the one actually doing the interview with him. And they were just giggly and super cute, but she was asking them, you know, things. And he was just, as he always has been, give all the glory to God. And yep. he, what he was speaking in his in his response was very wise and very um, faithful. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, that was a really good interview. But what caught my attention was that I had kind of read a follow-up article to that interview and they had talked to him about a few other things Mm -hmm. and and that interview. What was it like, you know, interviewing your wife, interviewing you and whatnot. And he said, after I listened to that again, he said, I was just amazed at the words that the Holy Spirit gave me to speak. Mm-hmm. Like, and so even he was like, not necessarily aware of it in the moment, mm-hmm. but when he was pulled out of it and he listened to it again, he, he recognized like, that's not of me. Yeah. That wasn't of me. That was the spirit speaking through me. Yeah. I actually had that almost same experience. Cause like I, um, I listened to our podcast over again you know, especially after they come out. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to the one we did, uh, I think it was episode two or three. And I was like, I don't remember saying that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've like, done did, that too. Did I, say, I don't remember saying that. And I don't even remember editing it. <laughs> and I was like, I, I don't, I don't remember saying that, but okay. But yeah, mm-hmm. cause sometimes like, I don't know why, but sometimes like when uh, the episodes come out, something like weird snafus can happen. So I kind of listened to it for that. But I was like, huh. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting. So testament to it. We've got a doozy of a topic today. Yeah. And it's kind of funny that this is the topic (laughs) today. It's always hilarious how the Holy Spirit works because we're talking about praying for our enemies. Mm -hmm. And um it's just, you know, just so happens that both of us last night in, in you know, combined Holy Spirit fashion, mm-hmm. you know, brought some people up in your head mm-hmm. um, about this subject. And same thing with me last night brought somebody up in my head about this whole thing. And um, I actually asked Tasha, <clears throat> I was like, if you're still angry about a situation, does that mean that you haven't, like, forgiven? Mm-hmm. And... I don't, you know, because I'm really trying to work on the forgiveness aspect towards this person, um, especially because the betra- the betrayal is so heavy. And betrayal never comes from your enemies. It always comes from the people you least expected. 
But I'm just like, I don't know if because I can still get angry because of this person, if like the forgiveness hasn't set in, mm-hmm. but it's like a daily, I'm going to pray for them. Right. I'm going to try to forgive them. And it reminded me um, of the, you know, the movie, The Shack. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, it was the scene where God was telling him that he needed to finally forgive this person. Mm-hmm. And just like the bitterness and, you're and like, the anger. Absolutely you're like, not. Nope. That's not, not happening. Do that. Exactly. Right? Um, and I can't exactly remember what God said in the movie, um, but it was something like um it was almost like fake it till you make it type type yeah. thing. Sometimes you just have to say, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you over and over and over again. Cause you might not feel it at first, um, but eventually it will come to pass, you know, and then I'll just be praying for this person. Um, and so, but like when I first start praying for this person, it is hard to, to form those words. I don't want to pray for them. They hurt me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But then the more I do it, the more I start noticing the Holy Spirit softening my heart mm-hmm. towards that person. So I had, it, it was, it was interesting because you had messaged me and said, Hey, what do you want to potentially talk about? Yep. Next week. And when you messaged me, I had absolutely nothing in my head, but it didn't take me long to get back to you. Um, it was like two minutes. Yeah, it wasn't long because I I just, I stopped and I was like, okay, like, Lord, what, what needs to be brought forth this week? And, and it immediately was like, oh, praying for your enemies. And I was like, I don't want to do that. And it was like, yeah, but you asked me and I gave you an answer. So here, here's your answer. So tough. I immediately text her and um, it was funny because that evening I had a situation where that arose and I was really struggling because it's, it was one of those where, um, you know, the closer that the people are to you, the worse the offense seems type of thing. Yeah, I feel that. And so I was really in a unhappy spot because I felt super offended and so I I laid down that night and I said to God I was like this doesn't give me peace in my heart so I obviously know even though I am the one that feels mistreated right like that I have to be the one to do something about this so it's like what what is this, what is it that you want me to do? Because I know you tell me forgive your enemies. Like I, I know that we hear that, but I said, I feel like there's something deeper and I was exceptionally convicted that it wasn't anything that needed to be done by the person who did the offense. It was something that I needed to do. That's always a tough pill to swallow. It is hard, especially when you are in a position where you feel like you did nothing wrong, that you did nothing to deserve it. And you're the one that was mistreated. And so I sat there and I prayed about it for a while. And, and you know, and I kept telling him, like, you know, I'm the one that got offended. I, you know, it's not, and I just kept like, say, that word kept coming to me, you know. Offense. Uh, offense. And, and I kept saying, I, it wasn't me, you know, I didn't deserve to be offended. I didn't, I didn't do anything. And, and I said, so what do you want me to do? And he just clear as day was like, don't be offended. And it was like this slap in the face, like whole open up your eyes. And it's, 
it changed it. And I know where our topics like technically pray for your enemies or whatnot, but really where it came from was it was like, it's not necessarily about praying for your enemies or forgiving your enemies. It's about not being offended and letting go of the offense. Yep. And, and so I started looking in scripture because of course that's what he tells us to do. If you're needing to understand the situation go to the word. Yep. And so I pop into Matthew 24, 10, a verse that I found, and it says, and then many will be offended and they will betray one another and they will hate one another. And it's talking about the world that we live in right now. I, I literally just thought, and everyone today, mm-hmm. it seems like everyone gets offended at the, some of the like smallest, weirdest stuff. There's always something to be offended about or something that would have not offended people back in, you know, when I was a kid growing up in the nineties is now offensive now. And Mm -hmm. I'm floored because I'm like, I thought that was just common sense that everyone knew, but you're like mad about it. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, bro. Yeah. And it's become the norm, unfortunately, that we expect the world to treat us badly. Yep. And so it, it was kind of this whole like, okay, the word offense has been like pressing on me. And so I get into the word and all this stuff starts popping up about being offended. Mm-hmm. And so I really sat there and was thinking about it. And I, I'm, I'm currently in Luke, like that's where I'm reading my chapters through. And I come to, to Luke 17 and within the first chapter of Luke's or the first verses of Luke 17. Um, it says 17 one. Then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. So I'm like, okay, God says, regardless of how high your faith is, you're going to get offended. Like that's just a given. Yeah. We're going to be offended. And so I sat sat on it for a little bit, and I was like, okay, it's impossible, no offense. Okay, I get that. So I'm going to be offended. I'm, I'm going to prepare myself for that. And then we get down to Luke 17, 5, and I, I've read this chapter so many times. But I guess it's a little before 17, 5. It's, it's right after 17. Um, so... It's 17.3. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And then it goes on to hear this verse that we hear all the time. And we say all the time, right? And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, um, returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Mm. Okay. So we hear that all the time. Yeah. Seven and we say, seven. we we do, we've said it in this podcast, seven times seven, you know, that's just the thing. Like among, among Christians, if you say seven times seven, you immediately know what is being referred to. Yeah. Or, or 70 times seven. 70 times seven. Yeah. And so it wasn't until though I read the next verse and it says, and then the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The apostle, apostles have been going out. And doing miraculous things in the Lord. They have believed in him. They have done amazing things mm-hmm. for him. They have showed all the faith in the world or else they wouldn't be able to be doing all of these things. Right. But it's until the Lord tells them to forgive their enemies that they ask him, increase my faith. Because it's hard. It's super hard. And 
I stepped back out of that and I I had to laugh because I was just like, it's hard. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no other way to say it. The the apostles, these, they've already been doing these just, I mean, I mean, following the Lord of Lords and they're like, you want me to forgive? Well, you're going to have to increase my faith for that one, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and so I did have to laugh at that. Um, but it, it all just goes back to the offense. And I was listening to this podcast and, um, we, we all know John and Lisa Bevere's name, but they have their son Addison and I've been slowly following him because he's pretty, pretty wise in a lot of things. And one thing that he said the other day that I, um, that I read was pride is the ultimate grace blocker and it hit it hit hard and because so much of unforgiveness is stubbornness and pride it's Mm. really really tough and that's where um I when I was going to bed last night I was I was praying and like what we were talking about this kind of like thing that Kitri and I both had Mm -hmm. come up and I I said Lord I was like is there somebody in my life that I'm holding offense to Mm. Um, that, and this was outside the situation that had happened, which I'll get back to, but I, I said, is there somebody in my life that I'm holding on to, to offense? Because if so, then I need to, to let it go because I had just heard this other thing and it was like talking about gold and how the impurities, like if you have like a 14 carat, that means it's 14% gold. I'm really uh, bad about this. I think but it's like 14 parts. 14 of, parts. You're good. Of yeah. the 24. Cause I think gold is 20, like a pure gold is 24. So anything that's 14 is for only 14 parts of the 24. Yeah, that's right. That's yep. right. Thank you. And it was just saying that, like, when they melt it down, when they put it under the fire, then all the impurities come to the surface. Did we? Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Did we have the same week? Because you're Are saying you surprised all of by this, all this, and I, I literally have last night when I was reading and doing my devotional, God was talking about pride mm. and how pride comes before destruction. And, um, I, w- I also was reading Psalm 51, which is the Psalm for restoration. Yeah. And it's like seeking forgiveness from God, yep. you know, and it says, you know, God create a clean heart in me and renew a steadfast spirit within yep. me. And, you know, it's, he's talking about like, don't turn your face away from my sins, blot out all of my guilt, like show me. It's funny. You said Psalm 51. That's the exact verse that made me go to the Lord in prayer. <laughs> It was the no way. Yep, the exact oh verse gosh. that made me say, Lord, if somebody, if there's somebody that is not, my heart's not pure about somebody, bring it to the surface. I'm, I'm flabbergasted. <laughs> flabbergasted. <laughs> I don't know where that Southern accent <laughs> came from. That's, that wasn't Southern. And I was, I don't know what it was. It was, it was something I made up. Um, and then I was like, he was having me bounce around to certain things as well but like then i caught some stuff in luke too (laughs) yeah i'm sorry i apologize for (laughs) interrupting you're not interrupting but and then i literally earlier this week it was about the the gold and breaking it down Mm -hmm. and like what's left is like the impurities and like you can mix them back in and it's still gonna be impure that's exactly what it was 
Yeah. Where, where, okay. What were you listening to? I was listening. No, I was listening to somebody speak and they, and he was talking about how angry he had been and he didn't understand because he'd been very faithful. And he had, he said that the Lord brought him, you know, to a point when, because he hadn't, he was an engineer and he said he knew all, are you listening to the same thing? Yes. Yeah. So that's hilarious. But he, what day did you listen to? Like, I don't know, Tuesday. What is it? Yeah, Tuesday or what? What is it today? Say Friday. Today's it was Friday. It was Wednesday. Okay, I listened to it on Tuesday. Okay, well, you oh. beat me too. But oh I'm glad gosh. you know what I'm talking about because it was the yes. parts of the gold. And he was talking about how he was out there and he was looking at his wedding ring. And right? Yep. Okay. Yep. And so he was like, <laughs> so funny. He said, I'm looking at my wedding ring and the Lord's telling me, you know, like, is your is does it look like pure gold? And he was like, Yeah. And he was like, What is it? And he he said no. And so he was talking about well, what happens when you when it hits the fire? And he was like, And it melts. And mm-hmm. he said, But it does more than that, and it brings all the impurities to the surface. And so basically, he had been sitting there asking the Lord, Why am I so angry all the time? And the Lord was telling him, You're in the midst of a trial, and all your impurities are coming to the surface. And he said, So mm-hmm. now you have this choice: you either let me scoop them out, or you let yourself solidify again. And just like Kitchery said, you let those sink back down and then we have to go through this whole refining process again for to to get where in where they come to the surface and he said eventually you'll decide to let me scoop them out or not Mm -hmm. so I thought that was a really good example but it it really is very good to show um that no one but you can ever get you out of the will of God and can you say that again? Nobody but you can ever get you out of the will of God. Yes, and, ma'am. And it is so true. And I have been struggling. I shouldn't say struggling, but my daughter um, is pretty sensitive. And she's she had, um, this is so ridiculous, like absolutely ridiculous. But this boy in first grade mm. um, had a crush on her and she had a crush on him. Mm-hmm. And then um, my, my son comes home and he's like, um, you know, so-and-so broke up with you. And I'm like, I started to laugh and she, cause she was like kind of hurt. And I was like, Ireland, I was like, you guys like, it's not dating. It's not like, I'm trying to have this conversation with her. And, you know, and my son says it again, you know, so-and-so. And he was kind of, teasing her about it which made me stop I pulled him into the other room and mm-hmm. I was like you need to knock it off and right. he was like what I'm just telling her because you know she doesn't believe me and I said do you think that it feels good for you to repeatedly tell her that somebody doesn't want her mm-hmm. and like the look on his face because he had six-year-old brain he hadn't thought about that mm-hmm. but that was what it was and yeah. I had to break that down for him it's like Constant rejection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she was like being, you know, tough. I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter. Whatever. But, you know, when I said that to him, he changed his attitude real quick. And he went back to her and he was like, he was being good big, big brother at that point. He was like, you know, so-and-so, he's a mess. He's always getting in trouble in school. He was like, you don't want to have a crush on him anyways. And so he was like trying to kind of redeem himself and a little bit. But she was kind of bothered by it and then this kid proceeds to come up to her on the playground yesterday and granted these are kindergarten first graders right Mm -hmm. this first grader comes up to my daughter and he says hey i just want to let you know that i did in fact break up with you because i heard you had two boyfriends (laughs) and right i'm sorry i'm trying not to laugh and she looks at him she was like well i don't 
And mm-hmm. she was like, it doesn't matter anyways. And she walked off, which was good. It's silly, but it brought up a good conversation between me yep. and her because I said, I said, look, I said, he heard something about you and it wasn't true. Mm. But yet he went ahead and made a decision that affects your feelings based on what he chose to hear and not have a conversation with you about. And I said, so one, it's a good thing that he quote unquote broke up with you. But I said, what anybody says to you or how anybody makes you feel, I said, does it matter? She goes, no. And I said, who, whose feelings matter? God's. Okay. So who are you going through your day trying to please this boy or God, God, you know, you have to have these conversations, unfortunately, when they're in kindergarten, which is so weird to me now. So weird. But, you know, I had, but it made me think like she could have easily have broke down, been affected. Like I was proud of her because she kind of has my whole like mentality of, um, you know, if somebody kind of rejects you, then you just put this facade up of like, and that bothered me because of why, you know, even though it may really hurt deep inside, but it then opens the door for you to have all these feelings and thoughts about yourself that you shouldn't have. And therefore it gets you on a path that's not of God. And so that's why I'm saying, you know, nobody but you. And that's what I tell her all the time. So-and-so doesn't dictate how you feel about yourself. So-and-so doesn't dictate, you know, how you get to treat other people. Only you get that opportunity. So it was a good little, little learning lesson for my kinder. Well, and it's, um, I mean, and those lessons are always really hard to learn, you know, and it might seem, you know, innocent and silly as an adult, but to those little ones, that's a big offense to them, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, how, what we learn and how we learn to deal with it as kids is how we're most likely going to carry that into adulthood. And so I think it's good that you have those conversations with your kids because, um, you know, that way when when the bigger offenses come, when they're older, they'll have that background of knowing how to deal with it. But it still doesn't get any easier on how to deal with it. It absolutely doesn't. And the thing is, is that we have to, and what I'm trying to do and like what you're saying, we have to teach them young. And if we don't, if we've had to go through our whole life and are just now learning this, like say somebody's learning this or listening to this and thinking, you know, I do get offended. Mm-hmm. You know, the important thing is that we recognize that it is an offense. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's, we, we hear from the scripture, we're going to get offended. So let's recognize that it is an offense, but you don't get to take that offense and allow yourself to get distracted. So I'm mad. What am I going to do? How am I going to deal with this? Am I going to go get on my phone and scroll for hours? Am I going to mm-hmm. go, you know, out? Am I, how am I dealing with this offense when, in all actuality, the very first thing that you should be doing is pulling yourself away from everybody and hitting your knees and saying, Holy Spirit, how do I handle this? Clean my heart out of this or of this, bring it to the surface. Let me know why I'm offended Mm -hmm. and help me to release that. Um, one way that I learned, um, how to deal with stuff growing up, um, Neither of my parents ever cried mm. growing up. They never really, I mean, I saw them crying 
I think I've seen my dad cry twice. Once after he was massively, wrongfully, disgustingly fired from a job because somebody didn't like him mm-hmm. and um, made up some stuff, uh, supposedly, that my dad did and um, got him fired because he didn't like him. I mean, mm-hmm. it was disgusting how he cried about that. And I, I watched him cry um, when my great-grandmother died, when his grandma died. Mm-hmm. It was the only two times I can remember ever seeing my dad cry. Um, I've seen my mom cry maybe a couple times. I think she cried when she was, when she had a tumor. I think that's when I, I, I saw her cry when she had a tumor. Um, but the, how they were taught, and I'm not dissing on my parents, but how they were taught, especially my mom, because my mom was raised from a um, military dad, was you don't cry, you suck it up, mm-hmm. you push it down, bottle it up. You build a wall. Build a wall, make yourself, you have to be strong all the time, and um, you deal with it. Um, and I, I also just, like, want to say this. We have to give grace to our older generations because they did not have the mental help that we do now because back then when they, like, w- went to therapy, it was like, oh, you're going to see a shrink. You're a crazy person. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it, it had a stigma. really bad stigma on it. And um, it, they were raised with the, with the good old boy type um, mentality. Right. Um, and so I, I rarely saw my parents cry. So I didn't cry that much. And I still have a problem with it. Um, you know, and I, I've been very open, you know, that I've gone to therapy for certain things. And, like, my therapist was like, you need to cry. Like, you need to cry. And, like, any time I would start to cry in our in, in my therapy ses- sessions, I would, he, and he, he figured it out very quickly. I would, I would immediately start to suppress it. And he's like, tears are the cleansing for the hurts that you have bottled up. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so last night when I w- was thinking about the person who offended me, I started getting teary eyed and I started trying to suppress it. And the Holy spirit said, no, you need to cry. This is how you need to deal with this right now. And so I mean, I, I know there's probably a lot of people who are like that. Um, I don't like crying. I really don't. <laughs> I don't think anyone actually does. Um, but it makes me feel weak. Yeah. Um, well, and, you know, I think we, if I remember, right, we talked about this in season one, and I had said that I had uh, seen this thing on, maybe it was an article or a video, I can't remember at this point, mm-hmm. but it was saying that they, researchers or scientists or whoever do this, they were taking people and that they were crying and they were taking their tears and they were like dissecting their tears basically. And they were able to tell because of what chemicals were released in the tears, they were able to tell you why that person was not like situational, but Mm -hmm. like if it was grief, if it was happiness, if it was sadness, if it was, you know, like anger they were able to tell you because, wow. and so, and what it kind of went on to do was say that our body stores all of these chemicals up that cause us to feel these emotions. Mm-hmm. And when we cry, that's how they get out of our body. So mm-hmm. that when we don't cry, it just stays inside. Yeah. And so that's why it is very healthy. And I do that. Like I did that with my daughter just the other day. 
she's getting to that point where she tries to suppress a little bit when mm-hmm. she's crying. And I, I tell her, I'm like, I take her in the other room and I say, you need to let it out. I said, mm-hmm. nobody's gonna, I said, I will sit here and I will hold you as mm-hmm. long as you need to cry. But I said, you need to cry until you are done. Yeah. And she'll just wail and wail and wail. Mm-hmm. And you know, she's, she's a little girl with big feelings. Yep. And so there's specific things that she, you know, legit, it's not just, oh, you know, like my stuffy fell down the stairs. It's not that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. She, you know, so she's, so I'm trying to teach her at a very young age that you have to release that stuff. Yeah. And it's good that you allowed yourself to as yeah. well. Yeah. One, um, you know, there was like, you know, many times where like I'll even see like kids cry and I've, I've noticed to, to, to see this and stop it where I'd be like, Oh, you don't need to cry. Stop crying. Like, cause that's my, re- that's how I mm-hmm. want to re- react as soon as I start crying is I want to stop it immediately. Mm-hmm. Right. But now I'm like, no, 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 no. I can't do that. You know? Yeah. Cause I, I was a teacher for eight years and I still teach dance, but sometimes, but now I've learned like when they're crying, I'll tell them it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's fine to cry. Um, but it's funny how, like, I, I still have to, f- like, tell myself that. <laughs> but that was, like, one thing that he's, like, that the Holy Spirit was telling me. He's, like, you need to deal with this offense, not by trying to stop yourself from crying. Oh, that's brutal, Holy Spirit. He just told <laughs> He just said something. <laughs> she just, like, me. I got this blank look on her uh, face. Because- he, he <laughs> he's... That was brutal. He said, um, you know, because I was like, you know, stop yourself from crying. And he said, no, no, no. You try to stop yourself from feeling. Yeah. Amen. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, that's what it is. He's like, no, you want to stop yourself from feeling. Because mm-hmm. um, it's a defense mechanism. Yeah. And um, he's like, you have to cry because you have to feel. Yep. I like that. And um, and then I was I was listening to, I mean, okay, let's talk about like the biggest offense ever. Um uh, and that's the crucifixion. Not only was um, Jesus completely blameless in every way, he was a spotless lamb, did no wrong. Um, he was then sold, pretty much like just like a slave was. He was sold, um, not by just a random person, but as a friend from a friend who followed him um, for years who stood by his side and loved him and all of that stuff sold and sold him for 30 pieces of silver, which today in today's currency, that'd be like $90. Mm. Not much at the most. It'd be like three grand. Um, I know some people who pay more than that in rent (laughs) a month, you know? Um, And then he was beaten for doing quote unquote, a wrong that he didn't do. Um, he had the beard ripped out of his face. He had thorns shoved into his skull. He had pretty much his back completely exposed. And then he was forced to carry his own death pretty much up a hill. Um, you know, he was nailed to a cross, um, in one of the, what they are calling probably one of the most grotesque ways to die because it's so slow because you suffocate. Um, but while he was, on the cross, he asked the Lord to forgive those people. Mm-hmm. Like, talk about a talk about offense. Well, it's, I mean, you have to look at Scripture. Why did He do that? And in Colossians, mm-hmm. it tells us it says, "Set your things, set your sights on things above." 
above and yeah, yeah not on things uh, in this world. Yeah. And he is the prime example of that. Like it wasn't about, it wasn't about what was being done to him by whom it mm-hmm. was knowing that, you know, what the, what the will of the father was. I mean, he, I mean, if, and if you look in scripture, um, it, he, he, right before he gets arrested, he's praying. If there's any other way for mm-hmm. this to happen, take it, please let it happen. Lord, like mm-hmm. take this cup for me. I mean, we, we can't be led by our feelings mm-hmm. because our feelings are, um, very deceptive. Is that, no, that's not the right word. Just De- deceiving. That's what I want. Our feelings are very deceiving. Um, Jesus knew what he was facing and he was terrified, but that's why we can't go off of feeling. That's why we have to go off of faith. Mm-hmm. But um, he, he was like, okay, if this is your will, let it be done. But he also, while he was on the cross, he was offered sour wine. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I listened to some psychologists on this and um, some doctors who were talking about the crucifixion. And that they believe that this was a, a common practice that they they gave um, the the people who were being crucified because um, it dulled their senses a little bit, mm-hmm. um, almost almost like an act of mercy because you know wine kind of yeah. gets you drunk, and then you know when they've been up there and they're they're suffocating and they've probably been out in the sun all day and they're dehydrated, it works faster, right? Mm-hmm. And it kind of helps dull the senses. But Jesus turned his head away from it and didn't take it. And, um, one of the, the guys said, um, you know, why, why did he do that? Cause he said he was thirsty. Mm-hmm. And so if you're that parched and you're that dying of thirst, why wouldn't you take anything that's pretty much mm-hmm. given to you? Um, but he said he knew that the wine would dull his senses and he knew that he had to feel everything mm-hmm. in order for it to come to pass. Mm-hmm. Everything that he felt every, like all the pain physically, all the pain emotionally, the the burden of the sin, the darkness of the world, that he had to feel everything. He didn't want to cheapen it. No. And I thought that was super powerful, mm-hmm. that even in the, the horrendous offense that he was under, um, and just the brutality of how he was killed, um, even under that offense... Number one, he he pled for the people who were killing him, for the father to forgive them. But secondly, he had to feel everything. And I feel like a lot of times we try to get away from those feelings because they suck. Mm -hmm. They're not fun. We try to get away from those dark feelings or the feelings of sadness or the feelings of grief. And, you know, um, I said this in the... Uh, one we talked about where we were saying, well, watch your mouth or watch your mouth episode where I said, please stop teaching your kids that sticks and stones may break my bones, mm-hmm. but words will never hurt me. That was a huge thing that everyone my age, when we were growing up as kids, um, was taught. I mean, my teacher said that. I mean, everyone said that. And um, it's so silly. It's so silly because it's so false yeah. because what it did is it taught, it taught my generation that, um, you, you let them hurt you pretty much like, oh, it's silly. It's not a big deal. Words shouldn't hurt you. People shouldn't hurt you. It shouldn't bother you. And so there's almost like this feeling of guilt and shame that comes with, with that mindset of, oh, well, um, 
it's my fault I'm hurt. It's my fault because I let them, you know, you know, words aren't supposed to hurt. What people do isn't supposed to hurt. I'm just supposed to let it roll off my back like water on a duck. And it's so false. And it has, it create it created a lot of that like guilt and shame that you, like I personally, like when I, when someone like betrays me or hurts me, I feel like I'm the one in the wrong because I'm the one who ended up hurt. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because I don't see, it doesn't seem to be anything indifferent to them. I mean, they just, it just rolls off and you're the one that's walking away. And because of your personality, I mean, too, because it's just like, okay, I must have done something in order to deserve that. You know, and, and, you know, you're talking about, um, the, the adage, you know, the sticks and stones. And it, it made me think too, how many times did we, especially when we were growing up, it was so prevalent that, mm-hmm. um, we were told as girls, Oh, he's mean to you because he likes you. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. That's, that is a nasty thing to impart onto a, a little girl because she grows up thinking that if you are mean to her, and you like her. So let's go ahead and just prime your girls for toxic relationships at this point. It's sickening. Yes. It 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 is training them to be in abusive relationships. Mm-hmm. Yep. I yes. One th- one thousand percent yes. Mm-hmm. Where's my applause button? <laughs> oh, I, what was it? Nope, no, that's not it. <laughs> that's definitely not it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Yes. Okay. There it is. It's the yellow one. <laughs> but <laughs> it's, label them. Yeah, I need to. But it's so true. Oh, he's just doing that because he likes you. Mm-hmm. No. Because I remembered thinking that when I was mm-hmm. 17. Oh, he's just doing this to me because he secretly loves me. And he just doesn't know how to show his yep. emotions. And I got into so many abusive relationships because of that. Mm-hmm. And um, and it, it was just because... I mean, yeah, sometimes that is how boys flirt, but don't teach them that that's okay. I heard, I heard the other day when I was kind of looking into this, the offense is a lack of perspective and, Mm. and it kind of ties into that. And it's like, you know, we, we are not looking at the true reason why we are being offended. We need to always pull ourselves out of it and say, show me not not why they did this to me but why i'm being offended by it like mm-hmm. what now i'm not saying that there's going to be all these things that come to light that are like oh you know you're wrongly taking it this way or whatnot it's not that it's saying that you know you you may very well have every right to be offended you need to understand why because this and this was done to me this was wrong where are they coming from with this we need to look at all of those situations yep not trying to justify behavior or anything, but we go back to forgiveness and I know we've heard this before, but you know, they say to forgive is to set a prisoner free only to realize that the prisoner is yourself. Yep. Amen. And you hang on to so much of that and it's not, it is not the offender's responsibility to make you feel better. And that was the big thing that when I was at the, right after, you know, I had said, I was immediately after I told Kitri, oh, let's do praying for your enemies or forgiving your enemies. 
And then something had happened that night and I was praying about it. And that was the big thing that I came away with is that it is not their responsibility to come to you and make you feel better. That is solely on you. Only you get to make that decision to not be offended and hurt by what that has happened. Or to work through your feelings, take them to God, set them before him because, and let him comfort you and have him show you how you can heal from it. So like, I mean, yeah, like what the Holy Spirit just told me, he's like, yeah, you didn't want to, you know, you didn't want to cry. You, you didn't actually want to feel right, but we have to, Mm -hmm. but it is through those weaknesses that we are made strong through his strength. Yeah. And, um, but then, and then, you know, right after he'll heal you, he will ask you, um, not, excuse me. He won't ask you. He'll, I think commands us, he'll command you to pray for them. And it's not necessarily to do like good things for them, you know, to give them a hug, to say hi in the grocery store. Um, he's asking you to seek for their best interest. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that is a very bitter pill to swallow. Um, but that's what God did for us. Because what, what he, exactly what you're saying, what he did on the cross, that he didn't sit there and attack his accusers or anything. That is, of course, he is our example mm-hmm. in everything. So when we look at faith, let's look at that example. And what did he do? What, what, I mean, what did he say? Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. Yep. He is showing us in that instance that forgiveness is the ultimate act of faith. And that is what we have to pull from that. And it's not... Giving in, it's not being walked over. It's not allowing ourselves to be manipulated or um, treated, mistreated, any of that. That's not what it's about. We're not sitting here saying roll over, you know, let other, yeah, be a doormat. Let others talk to you about that or treat you like that. It's about you and your actions. We read in first Peter, see it's first Peter one verses six and seven says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. So, I mean, right there, it says, he says, it's okay if for a little while it mm-hmm. grieves you. Yep. He's, he's not telling us. To not grieve. Yeah, to not hurt, be hurt by it, to not yep. be offended by it. He's like, that's, you're going to get offended. We heard, we said that at the very beginning of this episode. You're going to get offended, and it's okay you know, it's yeah. okay if you're, if you're grieved by it, but it says for a little while, um, you have been grieved by various trials, but then it says that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I love how it says our faith is tested by fire. Mm-hmm. It's just what you were talking about uh, a couple episodes ago everything's fire everything's and he's still fire. doing it everything yep. is fire because um fire it can destroy but it also is how god cleanses us um sometimes wild like uh, forest rangers will purposely set fire to a forest because there's so much um, like foliage and trees that are dead and dying, nothing can grow. Yep. 
And so they set fire to the forest because it, it kills what is already dead or what's going to be dead, what is sucking um, or keeping life from growing. And then there are, there are some species of trees that only out of intense heat and fire do they um, release their seeds for new growth. Hmm, that's interesting. And so, there. I mean, sometimes they plan these fires, but it's the exact same way why we are cleansed with fire and why God uses fire or like that refining of silver, right, where you have to be melted down and the impurities have to be pulled out because it's just like that, you, you know, the forest fire. What is dead needs to be taken out. Mm. What is dead in you has to be burned out, not just cut down, but the roots are still left. It has to be completely destroyed and removed because it is sucking the life out of something that could possibly potentially grow to be better. Mm. I love that. And I thought, you know, and that was just something that the Holy Spirit brought to my head and it sucks being in the fire. And a lot of times, um, the, the, the offenses that other people bring is a part of that fire. And that is also a part of my like people pleasing mm. thing that's being burned out of me is like, okay, you're going to work through this offense because this person is angry at you yeah. and has betrayed you. You haven't done anything wrong. And for me, that's hard because I want people to like me and love me and all that other stuff. But he's like, nope, that's not going to happen. But you need to learn how to deal with it because yeah. it's going to become more prevalent. I love what you just said there about how they are they are part of the fire that's going to refine you. And it immediately made me think of Joseph and his brothers. Oh, um, yes. That That is such... A, we all know that story. Joseph's brother sold him into slavery and then he came to rule over him. And, you know, Joseph was kind of a little punk when he was growing up. I, I mean, honestly, when you look at scripture, he, he was kind of cocky. And, He's you like, know, the Lord gave me a yeah. dream that I'm going to be your king yeah, one like, day and you was kind of boastful. Yeah. yeah you, you've got, what, what was it, 10? 10 older brothers, I think, yeah, because there's the, the tribes of Jews. So 10, 10 <laughs> older brothers and you're like the youngest and your daddy's favorite. And, you know, they've been struggling with you from the get go, getting all these pretty clothes and all these things. And so you have this dream about, you know, that God gives you and you go and you tell your brothers, you're going to bow down and worship me. Okay. Like that's a little, come on, use your brain, oh, yeah. dude. And, but so, yeah, but so we kind of know all of these funny things, but we, we go and we see it happens. They decide that they're going to kill him one day and then they throw him down into this pit. Cause one brother was like, nah, maybe we shouldn't kill him, but we should definitely um, sell, sell him, him into slavery. Yeah. I think that's a better idea. Well, I mean, it was like, we could make some money off of this. Like we don't have, he's going to die anyways. He's going to this other country. Uh -huh. He's going to be a foreigner. He is a slave. We're never going to see him again. So let's make a little bit of cash off of it. And so, you know, they, that's what happens. They sell him and he goes and he, He's once again, the greatest betrayals do not come from strangers, but they come from the people that are the closest, the closest to, you. to you. The greatest of closest, exactly. And he has every right. He's just had, he comes from a wealthy family. He's a favorite. He's got this great life set ahead of him. And all of a sudden within a blink of an eye, it gets stripped out from under him. Mm -hmm. And the people that are supposed to love you the most are the ones that are betraying you and offending you the most. And so he gets sent down there and of course, then he goes down there and this he's is Genesis 37. Thanks. 
for anyone who wants to go and read this. Yeah. He goes down there and so then he then he gets Potiphar's wife who uh Oh yeah, let's talk about that too. So <laughs> he I mean he he's still a slave, but he because he is righteous in God's eyes, you know, and he is a chosen person, um, he's given a lot of authority as a slave. Right. And um for yeah, Potiphar and Potiphar gives him, you know, pretty much He's running the show. Joseph is running the show. Yeah, head slave. And then Potiphar's wife, Ooh, little nasty woman that she is. Look at you, foreigner. She's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> look at you in those hands. <laughs> you look real cute. Why don't you come sleep with me tonight? Yeah, my husband's gone. He's gone. You know, let me let me reward you <laughs> a little bit. You know. You know, she, she's like, I got the goods, right? Like real good. And because he's like, he fears the Lord. Uh, he fear fe- the fear of the Lord is the biggest mm-hmm. thing. He's like, you know, no, not I'm not, I'm not going to, but I think he says, I'm, I won't disrespect God that way. Yes. Um, he, it's not even Potiphar. I could be, I think he does say something like that, but he's like, um, it would be a massive offense to God. Mm-hmm. I would be disrespecting God. And, um, so he says no. And then she was like, how dare you? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I got all this and you're saying no. And then, so she goes to Potiphar, her husband. Well, what, what had, what had happened was that he, I think he, what, I'm going to, he tried to run away and she tore his robe. Right. And so like, I think she's got like a piece of his, or he tore her robe or something. She goes to her husband. To, okay. Hold on. I'm, I'm in it. Okay. No, Joseph had been taken into Egypt. Bada, bada, bada. Yeah, his master saw that the Lord was with him. So, like, when the Lord's with you, people notice. Yeah. Um, Joseph found favor. He put him in charge of the household and all he owned. That's a lot. A lot. Um, it says in verse 6, now Joseph was well-built and handsome. <laughs> and if, if it's in scripture, it's true. It's, it's like God's way of, like, he fine. Yeah. <laughs> Like, he, he ain't, like, some nasty-looking dude. He fine. Um, and it says, after some time, his master's wife looked longingly at Joseph, mm. saying, sleep with me. But he refused. He said, look, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in his house, and he has put all he owns under my authority. No one in this house is greater than I am. He has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. So how could I do this immense evil, and and how could I sin against God? God. Mm-hmm. He's recognizing that even in his situation, God has still blessed him. Even though mm-hmm. he had been offended, even though he'd been taken away from everything, God still showed favor on him and put him in this position. And so he's saying, how how dare I even entertain the thought of mm-hmm. sleeping with you when God has granted me so much grace and mercy as yep. it is. You are correct. It says it down in verse 10, although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her. So she didn't just ask once. Persistent. It was every day she's, you know, and like some ladies are nasty. Like, mm, like you, like, okay, like we can't say that men are gross. Uh, and you know, like we talk about how like men's, um, gym locker conversations, women are nastier. (laughs) Don't, don't fool yourself. Um, but it says now one day he went into the house to do his work and none of the household servants were there. So she's trying Mm -hmm. to catch him in a trap. She grabbed him by his garment and said, sleep with me. Like she wants it real bad. (laughs) Does it say sleep with me in scripture? Yep. Christian standard Bible. Okay. Sleep with me. 
But I mean, he's well built <laughs> and good looking. Um, but leaving his garment in her hand, he escaped and ran outside. So he's naked. He like literally is like running out, like trying to get She's away. She's trying to practically. <laughs> R word this dude yeah. trigger warning like rape this dude. she's she's forcefully trying mm-hmm. to get him to sleep Being with her aggressive. um no means no ladies yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I'm sorry um but still it goes with both genders yeah it does no means no yeah it means no for men it means no for women mm-hmm. um yeah, when she saw that he had left his garment with her, she had run outside. She called to her households. Look, my husband brought a Hebrew man to make fools of us, this nasty woman. He came to me so he could sleep with me, and I screamed as loud as I could. When he heard me screaming for help, he left his garment beside me and ran outside. Mm. Ooh, talk yep. about offense. Yeah, exactly. When, like, the very person that, like, did the offense to you turns it around and makes you the bad guy. How many times has that happened, audience, to you? Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, it's it is that's what a, happened to my dad. Yeah, exactly. Job. It's a huge offense. Mm-hmm. And so he's had to deal with his his brotherly offense. And he gets there and God showed favor on him. And so and he's staying faithful to him. And then all of a sudden, here comes Potiphar's wife and she's doing the same thing to him. So what happens after that? Well, he gets thrown into prison. Mm-hmm. Because Potiphar's like, I did this all for you, and you did this to my wife. Yep. But he was thrown in prison. But it says in verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was still with Joseph and extended kindness to him. He granted him favor within with the prison warden. Mm-hmm. The warden put all the prisoners who were in prison under Joseph's authority. So once again, God is granting him authority, and he is blessing him. Even in his offense, mm-hmm. God is still with him and building him up. And you have to think, okay, these this isn't like our our prison cells today where he gets square meals and exercise and TV and all this stuff. He's no. put down in these dungeon basically. They're mm-hmm. typically Rock. underground and there's their lack of fresh air. A lot of times they give you enough provision just to keep you alive because yeah. it's too easy to die. Food's gross. There's, there's insects. Like you, yeah. you don't have a toilet. Yeah. yeah so and that's just, like, Cause a lot of times they'd put them in, um, like shackle, like the, they put the little things over their legs mm-hmm. or something and they, they're chained. So like if yeah. you're like, sitting there all day, if you have to go to the bathroom, well, basically you're just sitting in your own filth and 10 years, uh, because the Lord with, uh, let's see. Um, because the Lord was with him, the Lord made everything that he did successful after this. Mine doesn't necessarily say. I, I wanted to say, and I am, I'm going to say, don't take me at this, but just, just my brain is telling me that it was, it was a long time. It was like 10 years that he was down there living in this. Now, the important thing that I do remember very clearly and vividly was that it says that he stayed true to God in Mm -hmm. all of this, that he stayed faithful. Now he had every right to be ticked off at God, Mm -hmm. to be ultimately like the ultimate offense of everything, his situation, where he had been, where he had come from, who betrayed him, all these people that he felt like loved him and trusted yeah. You know, he trusted mm-hmm. and he's down there. And then God, <laughs> this is the funny thing about this story is that 
his dreams are kind of ultimately what got him in trouble with his brothers. Mm-hmm. His dreams are. And 10 years later, here comes a, I'm bad, a baker and a, it was a baker and a pharaoh. Uh, and no, but no, it wasn't the pharaoh. It was, he was down in the cell with him. It was the two people that had the dreams that were um, in prison with cup him. Cupbearer and a baker. Okay, a cupbearer. That's right. Yep. And so he, he gets these two other servants of the Lord that have been probably, who knows, maybe Potiphar. No, who knows? <laughs> who knows? But she's like, oh, I like your bread. <laughs> <laughs> but Yeah, and then he, they're like, oh, I have this dream. Yeah. And he interprets their dreams, and it's correct. And once again, but then it says two years later. Right, but, but real quick, like, do you think that he hesitated? Like, that's me. Like, I'm like, if the dreams are what got me in this mess, like, he had every right to be like, I'm not saying a word. Well, he's probably I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I'm already in a slave. I'm already a slave, and I'm already behind bars. What worse can happen? Right? I guess that's You know what I mean? True. But because he was, he interpreted them correctly, mm-hmm. like the Pharaoh was like, this dude is different. Yeah, but it took two more years, two more years because what had happened was it was the baker, I think, that one of them, one of them, the dream was telling him that you're going to be executed and the other one was saying you're going to be set free. And so, and it came to pass that the one that he said, you're going to die, died. And then the one that got to go back up and, you know, back and got restored to his place, he says, remember me yeah joseph said remember me and he didn't right two so years he sat two more years yeah in in prison and once again then the pharaoh has a dream and the pharaoh's like oh hey remember that bro who did that for you um can you bring him and once again he was well the the baker or the cut bear whichever one he yeah, he says remember. he says i have sinned because he was supposed to go up and tell two years ago i tell a pharaoh yep the, it was the cut bear he says today i remember my faults Pharaoh was angry with his servants and he put me in the chief baker in the custody of the captain guards. And so he's like, uh, yeah, I did wrong here. Um, but you know, then he interprets the, the, the Pharaoh's dream. Um, but then he had like abundance. Mm -hmm. Um, and through that, like long story short, Joseph worked his way up to being the right hand man. He was second in command in Egypt. I mean, as a Hebrew, that is huge. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, as a Hebrew in Egypt under Pharaoh, mm-hmm. when like a couple, what, 100 years later, they're going to be mass slaves and they're, they're going to be like fighting for their freedom under um, under a ruler. But God is the only God that will build you up in front of the same enemies who, to- who try to tear you down. Yeah, I like that. Because then after he is second in command, he has all of this wealth, he has all of his power. The very brothers that sold him come to him begging for help mm-hmm. because there's a famine. They don't know it's him. They don't, yeah, they don't know it's him. They're like begging and they're begging and they, then he notices them and he has every right to dismiss them and be like, nope, away with you. But he doesn't. Yeah. He blesses them. He, he blesses gives them, them all their money back. Now he kind of messes with them a little bit. A little bit. But yeah. He could have done worse, but it wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't to get revenge. Like that wasn't the motive. It wasn't to get revenge. It was to ultimately like show God's mercy and grace. And Mm -hmm. he had, and he told him, he was like, I, I had every right, you know, like, and, but, but this is what I choose to do. Every right in the world dies. Yeah. In the world dies. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's, it's not like God doesn't know the world we live in. God knows that we live in an evil world. He knows that people sin. He knows that people make mistakes. What he doesn't do is tell people 
to treat other people wrong. There's mm-hmm. nowhere in the Bible, don't argue with me about the eye for an eye, a tooth for the tooth. We'll talk about that some other time. But mm-hmm. it's, it, I mean, that's not what it's what That's it's one saying. verse compared to like a ton that I, I mean, I have written down, you have written down yeah. that says to pray for your enemies yeah. and to bless them. And that's, that's gets taken out, that verse gets taken out of context so much. Mm-hmm. But he, he does not tell us anywhere in the Bible to treat people evil because of the way that they do. He knows that that's going to happen. And God knows. Here's the amazing thing about God. We've talked about free will this last couple of episodes. Mm -hmm. God knows what people are going to do before they do it. So what he does is he uses what he knows people are going to do to execute his plan for Mm -hmm. their lives. God knew what Joseph's brothers were going to do. God knew what Potiphar's wife was going to do. He knew what you were going to do too. I mean, it's not like you're going to be completely blameless all the way right, through. Exactly. We're still, we're still sinful, but right. the, a friend sent me a, a TikTok video the other day and it was the guy's like, I'm going to give you the best, most offensive thing you'll hear today, but it's like, it'll bring you peace. He's like, when God gives you something to do or like when he like gives you his will or like if he gives you a, um, like a plan, like, you like know, a, he call, to you, a call to do something. He has already factored in your stupidity. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, yep. I love that. He's like, That's he's reassuring. already factored in. Yep. Super Every mistake reassuring. you are ever going to do. Yep. He's already factored in your stupidity. Yep. He has already factored in everyone else's stupidity. He already knows. Cause like, okay, like let's be real. Don't get offended. But people are st- like, we can be really stupid. Mm-hmm. I have been very stupid. I was just going to say I've had some really stupid moments this week. And, you know, and just looking back, I'm like, yeah, that was real dumb. But Isaiah 54 talks about how God protects us from our enemies. Mm. Like, yes, he says, like, pray for them. Um, uh, Isaiah 54, 13 through... 15, I think. It says, then all your children will be taught by the Lord. And their prosperity will be great, and you will be established on a foundation of righteousness. You will be far from oppression. You will certainly not be afraid. So is he saying you're not mm-hmm. going to be afraid? Um, you will be far from terror. You will certain it will certainly not come near you. If anyone attacks you, it is not from me. Mm-hmm. That is a huge one. A lot of people are like, why is God doing this? I've asked that question. God, why are you doing this? It is not from me. Whoever attacks you will fall before you. Yep. Look, I have created the craftsman who blows on the charcoal fire and produces a weapon suitable for its task. I have created the destroyer to cause havoc. No weapon formed against you will succeed and you will refute any accusation raised against you in court. This is the heritage of the Lord's servants and their vindication is from me. That's so beautiful. Like Mm -hmm. it's so just like oh, god you love me so much it's it's so amazing and all we have to do i mean it's just like joseph everything was taken away from him everything he had nothing left he had nope. absolutely nothing he probably didn't even have full capacity of like his his like movements yep. for many years yep. they stripped everything from him except for his ability to think and pray Yep. And that is what got you him You can through. be stripped of everything, but the one thing that no one can ever take away from you is God. Yep. 
and and it's just like we we are never alone we have the holy spirit in us mm-hmm. we are never alone we always have open communication to god and we just have to he could have very easily sat there for 12 let's say 12 years for the sake of it if that's i, I feel like mm-hmm. it was 10 before the two but he could have very well sat there and never once thought about God, talked to God, prayed to God. He could have cursed God. He could have just written him off. He could have just sat there and let his mental state go. Yeah. And he, but he stayed true to the Lord. And it, it says, you know, it says you will be far from oppression. You won't be afraid. You'll be far from terror. He's not saying you're never going to have oppression, right? Never going to have terror. And it's not even meaning like, oh, it's going to be far from you. You're not going to have to deal with it. But in the midst of oppression and like the weird stuff that's going on around you, you won't have to be afraid. And it also, it says, you know, no weapon formed against you will succeed. It means he's saying you're going to have weapons that are going to try to come against you. Mm -hmm. Satan is sharpening his ax, but no weapon formed against you is going to succeed Mm -hmm. against you because he is the one who will vindicate us. He's not saying no weapon. He's Mm -mm. he's saying these are going to come. And what is it? Psalm 23. Yea, through I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for the Lord is with me. And then it says, and, um, in the he, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Mm-hmm. So in the presence of the enemies, like I said earlier, he is the only God is the only one who will build you up in front of the very people who try to tear you down. Yeah, and it says, "Yea, though I walk, mm-hmm. not if I'm not walking if, through no. the valley of the shadow of death." He's not saying you're gonna not ever go through it, mm-hmm. but he's gonna be with you the whole time. But it says, I will fear no evil because God is with me. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to be afraid when offenses come no. or when betrayal comes. You're going to walk through the, the valley of the shadow of death. Not just one time in your life, but multiple times. Mm-hmm. But God is there and he will, what it, what it said in Isaiah 54, that you will be built on a foundation of righteousness. And that you will be protected. God is so faithful. We have every right and reason, responsibility, whatever word you want to use, to be faithful back. Mm. We have to understand that it's not about others. It's about us and how we handle it. We have a tendency many times to fixate on the offenses mm-hmm. we which isn't fair to other people because like it doesn't just affect us you're not just punishing the person who offended you you're affecting everybody else that's around you with your fixation of whatever offended you um and half the time we talked about this like a, a couple episodes ago about like when like people are mad at us half the time they don't even know that like they upset us they don't care. or we're mad at somebody or there was some issue. Yeah. We supercharge in our mind a lot of things that normally are so minimal, but because we sit there and harbor on them, harbor yep. on them, harbor on them, they just escalate in our brain. And in all actuality, they're nothing. And I love C.S. Lewis. We've talked about him a lot on here, but he has this quote and he says, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but of thinking what is it? Sorry, I'm going to screw this up. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's really good. And it's what it all comes down to is again, it's not about the person that offended you and it's not about you. 
It's about how you act and respond to mm-hmm. the way that God calls you to respond. Yep. Um, and you were talking about harboring offenses. Mm-hmm. And um, I love the podcast, The Basement by Tim Ross. And he has a saying, and I'm going to butcher it, but he teaches his kids this. And it's something like, um, whatever goes like, uh, whatever doesn't necessarily come out of your mouth in words, it's going to come out of your heart in action. Mm, that's And it's talking good. about like whatever, it, whatever you aren't healing in your, in your heart, whatever you're harboring in your heart, if it won't come out in your words, it's going to come out in your actions. Mm. And I'm, it's such, I tried looking it up. Um, but I, I just can't quite find it. Gosh, but that's so true. It's so true. Whatever won't come up and out of your words or up and out of your mouth, out of words, it's going to come up out of your heart and action. Mm-hmm. And he's, I mean, he's teaching his 12, 12 and 14 year old son this. And he's saying like, hey, if you're not going to deal with it and you suppress it, you might think it's going to be suppressed, but you're ultimately going to act out what you, what you're harboring. Yeah. What, and like, this is a big thing that I've learned. What you do not reveal God cannot heal. Yeah. He's not going to heal it for you magically. And you're just going to wake up one day and be like, oh, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to bring it to him. You do. If you do not reveal it, he can't heal it. And he won't. Because you have to be a willing participant mm-hmm. in your own healing process. Yep. yep. And then not, you know, not only do you have to kind of get over that offense and let go of the offenses, but the offense ultimately builds a fence mm-hmm. around you. Like the more, the more you harbor a fence, it's like um, putting up a fence around you. Well, Every single offense that you harbor and you don't let go, yeah. it's, a, it's a piece of wood that you just keep putting up and keep putting up and keep putting up. And eventually um, the offenses are so tall, you have built this fortress around exactly you. Exactly what I was going to say. Yep. And it's safe, but you're the only one there. Mm-hmm. And you've blocked everyone out. You're going to be lonely. You're still going to be mad. And it's not like one day God is just going to come take take that down that fence that you built up after offense after offense and just crash it around you and be like, "Okay, you're free." He's he's going to heal you. But he's going to be he's going to make you be the one that take takes every piece of wood down. Mm-hmm. It goes to kind of what we were saying a while back about how Satan's ploy and his his ultimate tactic is isolation and Mm. like how why you always need to be in a group of fellow followers of Christ to help you in times of need you don't get to build those strongholds up Mm -hmm. because what ultimately happens is that you're not only just blocking out people you're blocking out God and it's really really hard even though yes he has the ability to pop in but it's just like when Satan Satan takes when he's tempting Jesus and he takes him up on the, the pinnacle. Um, mm-hmm. And he's like, Hey, you know, throw yourself down because it says that you can call a thousand angels down to take, you know, to save you so that you won't f- hurt yourself, whatever it says, yep. you know, and Satan says, or not, sorry. Um, Jesus says, like, I feel like I'm going to get struck by lightning. Because <laughs> I switch God forgives you. Um, Jesus, you know, returns and says, you know, we're not supposed to test God. And Mm -hmm. so when we, when we put those strongholds up, God can absolutely go in there and save you, 
but he's he's not going to do that. He's not. It's it is not a test. It is not you putting yourself and saying, "Okay, I took away everything else. Now heal me, Lord." It's not that because it's just as Kitri said. It is a a will. It is what he wants you to do. He wants you to come to him because he's mm-hmm. never not come to us. He's always with us. But you have to be the one to come to him and say, hey, yeah. I need you. And when we're operating, because we, we're commanded to forgive. Just it says as in the, in the, the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we. Mm-hmm. Not then we will forgive. As we. Um, as we have forgiven those who have, you know, hurt us. Um, when we are acting outside of God's law, um, his hand is off. Mm-hmm. You know, I heard the Holy Spirit say, I won't bless a situation where you're not following me in. Right. And you're not leading or you're not following my example. And Matthew 5, 43, um, this is Jesus um saying you have heard you have heard it said love your neighbor and hate your enemy but i tell you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father in heaven so that we can be children of our father in heaven he's saying that if we don't do that we're not and i I don't want to like have it taken literally we're not one of his children Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that god is like um turning his back on us But it's like, so we may be children of our Father in heaven, for he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good mm-hmm. and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He's, and, and that was a, a huge thing for that, um, for that audience. And it's still a huge thing for us now. He's telling us to do the opposite of what our flesh wants to do. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it, to us, it is, e- it is easier to harbor hatred an offense towards people who have hurt us or offended us or betrayed us than it is to forgive. It's it what's is, expected of us. It, and it's and he knows it's hard, but w- I think that if we are operating in that spirit of offense and harboring that, um, we are cutting God's hand off. Mm-hmm. We are doing that. Yeah. It's not him. Because if we are if we are supposed to be walking as believers and following his example... We are, we are supposed to be being made into the images of Christ. Mm-hmm. When we are saved, it says when God looks at us, he doesn't see us and he doesn't see our sin, but he sees Jesus. And so if we are operating not how Christ would have, it's not God going up. Well, I'm just going to step back here until you get it right. He wants to give us those promises. He wants to give us those gifts. But when we are operating out of disobedience, we are, we are the ones who is cutting his hand off for those promises and for those uh, for being built up in righteousness. And it's very hard. It's super uncomfortable to get yourself humble enough, even in your own person, to take yourself before God and say, hey, and this is, you know, you know those knowns, and this kind of goes back to the beginning when we were talking about how good the Lord popped people into our head. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I sat there this week and I said, Lord, like, because I had just heard that, impurities thing and I was like okay Lord bring forth any impurities that are in me and scoop them out make them known to me Mm -hmm. so that I can get rid of them so that I don't shove them back down make known to me offenses that I am harboring that I am aware of and that I am unaware of Mm -hmm. do I want all of that baggage to come up no like 
it was really hard to pray that because I don't want to rethink about things. And that's exactly, I told Kitri when we got together today, I said, I woke up at two o'clock this morning and I had a name pop into my head and I immediately knew because of the name that popped into my head and it was somebody that I haven't spoken to in, I want to say close to 12 years who at one point in my life was exceptionally close to me Mm -hmm. and hurt me considerably. Yeah. But I let it go and we went our ways and, um, and it was, it was family. Yeah. Um, that's that's the hardest thing when family hurts you. And I, I never in my whole like conscious list of people where I was like, okay, I know that I probably need to let this go. I need to let this go from this person. Even like this little, little minuscule things were popping up for this person. Oh, this person kind of hurt my feelings that day, you know, type of hurt thing. And I was thinking all these things in that whole conversation and prayer of my consciousness and never once did this person come in into play. Because I had basically like wrote them out of my life. Buried it. Yep. And 2 a.m. name pops into my head. And I struggled because I was like, got it. But what do I do with it now? Mm -hmm. I don't know how to get a hold of this person. I don't know if I want to get a hold of this person. Like, I feel like, because I had that conversation, I was like, I feel like I could just let it go and not like have communication and just be like, you know, like I'm going to release that. I feel Mm -hmm. like that's a great possibility and something that I feel very capable of in my walk now. Mm -hmm. But I still kind of have that little twinge of, but are you doing what I really want you to do to help that person? What I'm calling you to do? Are you doing what's comfortable? Yeah. And so it's something that I'm going to have to keep praying on until I feel like a very strong answer. And mm-hmm. how do I handle this situation? I think what he's wanting to do possibly is he's wanting you to deal with it first and get you to a place where you can forgive and let it go on your own. But I don't think, but I, and I think he's going to get you to a place where you can try to reach out and say, hey, I forgive you for this. Mm-hmm. And it's tough because if you if, if they haven't made any changes and you know the personality, yep. you know that they're not going to be receptive. You know they're not going to be kind. You know that they're going to try to turn the situation on you. Yep. Um, and so it's it's those things where it's a continual like, okay, well, if this happens, am I going to be offended by the words that they say? The the tricky thing in this situation is that I don't have any anger with it anymore. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, it's like, I'm, I'm so just complacent with this situation. Like, I know it happened. Um, I know how it made me feel. I know how it hurt me for several mm-hmm. years, just deep. But I don't hold on to any of those, yeah. those feelings. Um and I think that the, everybody's different. It's just like you said, you yep. know, in the beginning, you've got anger towards a specific person. So how do you deal with that? But I think it can it can bring itself to a front in so many different ways for different oh, yeah. people, whether it be like, yes, I have anger towards this or no, I've just completely shoved it under the rug. It's not saying that you one gets dealt with and the other one doesn't because yeah. to each of us, they're offenses. Yep. So we still, we have to deal with them how the Lord wants us individually to deal with them. And he'll have us all deal with things differently than another person. Like how he's going to have me deal with 
with my thing is going to be probably way different than he deals with yours because, mm-hmm. you know, like if you're a parent, you know that sometimes you can't talk to one kid how you talk to another or you have to right. you have to go to one kid in a different way. Um, but I wanted to bring up Romans 12, uh, 14 through, I don't want to, maybe 21. It says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. It goes back to that pride thing. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation, which means don't think of yourself like as super smart. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone Friends, do not avenge yourself. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. Mm. I will repay, says the Lord. What a great verse. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. I love that. And it's such a great just wrap up and culmination of what we're talking about again it's not saying bow down let them walk all over you let them continually hurt you it's not saying that it's saying just don't be offended and then bless them and pray for them and be the example when it says um you know if he's hungry feed them if he's thirsty give him something to drink for in doing so you'll be heaping fiery coals on his head it's, that's not meaning um, because you're going to be like giving them payback in some sort of area. <clears throat> I think what that is doing, because once again, everything has been fire with the Holy Spirit in me lately, heaping fiery coals on his head. How, and we, we said it a billion times, how does God cleanse us? But it's through fire. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't think this that verse means that um, you're doing it to be like, ha, 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 no, you know, like nasty. It's, through your good actions towards your enemies, it's going to burn out the deficiencies in them. So God has a way to cleanse them, soften their heart, mm-hmm. and turn them around. Because look at how we do politics now. We're so divided, and it's because the the two sides, Democrats and Republicans, have constantly repaid evil for evil it's like well you did this to me so we're gonna do this to you mm-hmm. you did this to me so i'm gonna do this back to you you said this so i'm gonna do this and yeah and it's just this constant um they're toddlers right and they're taking digs at each other and making comments yeah. yeah just being immature and so what it's doing is it's making it worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and now it's so divided that if you're not one like if you're so for example so like if you're not a if you're not a republican obviously you're a democrat and we don't like you or if you're not a democrat and you're a republican you're not on our side so obviously we don't like you and it's it's that's what it feels like it's become mm-hmm. that if you're not one of us then you're against us yeah because it's it, it ultimately becomes a you don't think the way and believe the way that I think or believe and so yep. therefore I'm not going to be receptive to you yeah and I'm only going to be nice to the people who think like me I'm only going to be loving to those who live like I do I'm only going to and that is not what we're called to do as Christians, um, because, because uh, like we weren't like that, but Jesus did that for us. 
And Jesus didn't pick people that were like him. No. That none of no. who he hung out with. He chose people who hated him. And, and, and he chose who people hated. He chose tax collectors. Mm-hmm. Prostitutes followed him. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the biggest thing is like Jesus was gone, like gone into heaven. He had died. He had res- um, ascended. Been ascended into heaven. And then Paul, who became, um, I think, one of the greatest apostles Absolutely. of all time. He was murdering Christians. He hated them so much. He was murdering them and going from town to town looking for those who he could kill that because they believed something so differently than him, but it was because he interacted with God. He had a divine meeting with God that it changed his heart and he didn't see Jesus face to face, but he knew him in spirit and he got He got that intimate connection with him through his spirit. And he became one of the greatest apostles that he literally went from murdering people. From a terrorist. To having a heart for those people and wanting to make more of them. I mean, that is just a huge example of going from one extreme to the other. But if if we are so set in our ways... And, and all, we only want to just be around the people who make us comfortable. We're living outside of obedience once again, because we are called to love those who don't think like us, who don't act like us, who don't see things the way that we're seen. And if you're a Christian, you're going to be hated. You're going to be persecuted. Get used to it. The Jesus tri- was. Yeah. And the trials come the closer that you come to God, the more that you try to do for God. So don't expect that it's going to be mm-hmm. this just poppy fields and, you know, like not rainbow be. type of thing. And what is better to live inside the obedience of God than to be disobedient. It is better to be humble than to be humbled. Mm-hmm. Cause I've, I've been humbled by God. It's not fun. Right. It sucks, <laughs> you know, but it brings us around. But if we're just going to be like, well, I'm just not going to, you know, show them love because they did this to me or whatever. And I've lived that because it's easier to do that, but it's selfish. It is, it is greater to show love to a person by telling them the truth and trying to open their eyes to things than to let them live as a blind person and then have them seek the repercussions later. Give people a chance. Yeah. And this is a recap. I mean, all it is, it, the, the scripture says we're going to be offended. It says we can be offended for a little, little while. We can be grieved for a little while. But while we're grieving that offense for a little while, we're not supposed to be taking revenge. We Kitcher gave that to us in scripture. God's going to be the judge. So we can allow ourselves. It's not like we immediately have to be like, ouch, that hurt my feelings, but I'm good. You know, we can grieve that offense. Yeah but we don't harbor on it. We get to sit, we get to pray on it, we get to release it, and we don't get to worry about that other person and what they did to us. We don't get to take that mentality. They did this to me. Mm-hmm. No, you allowed it to offend you, and now it's your call on your life to follow forth what the will of God is for your life mm-hmm. and to to handle it how he wants you to handle it. Yeah, and... Um, when it says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him, Jesus did that for you. Mm-hmm. When you're thirsty, give him water. Jesus did that for you. And 
it's funny how Jesus is, is associated with bread and water because he is the bread of life. So not only does he feed our physical bodies and he provides for us that way, but he feeds us spiritually and he is the living water. So not only does he just quench our thirst in the, in the physical, but he quenches our thirst for, for peace and for that, that satisfaction. It says the peace of Christ transcends all understanding. What is Philippians four, six through seven mm-hmm. is in everything, go to God with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, give your requests to God. And in doing so, the peace of Christ, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And when he tells us to forgive others or lest we not be forgiven, let's, I guess the biggest thing that I just had in my head right there was that how many times a day do we offend God? And he turns around and forgives us and he doesn't take offense to us. He steps back and he says, hey, you're my offender, but I love you and I'm going to be faithful to you regardless. I hope... I, I, I wish people could have seen my face when you said that. She was like, she was like, how many times a day do you offend God? And I literally, like, my eyes got big and I pursed my lips. I'm like, mm. all the time. All the time we do. So who are we to say somebody else and harbor on the fact that somebody else offended us when the one that we need to love more than anything, we're constantly offending in our actions and our, our speech, our thoughts, yeah. our um, lack of prayer, our lack of communication with the Holy Spirit throughout the day. Um, I think it was Jesus who just said this to me. Um, but he said, do not ever forget where I brought you from. Don't get so high and mighty that you forget that I brought you out of the trenches as well. Yeah. We don't get to play lightly. No. Cause, uh, I've had my face down in the dirt and the mud. And he said, and he's brought me out of that. And that's stuff that I did to myself. Oh, and so, oh, um, sometimes you have to forgive yourself for offending yourself and for the things that you've done against yourself too. Say to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you can absolutely betray yourself, do things against what you wanted and, um, hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, don't, he said, don't ever forget where I brought you out of. So I think that's a good spot. It is a good spot. That's a really good spot. So um, thank you guys for listening. And I just think it's so cool um, that we have people who listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I just want to like extend it like a huge thank you to the people who, who reach out to us and um, who, who do give feedback and who have supported us. And, um, you know, I know it sounds kind of corny, but I think we would do this no matter what, because people didn't tell us to do this. God told right. us to do this. Um, but it, um, I don't know, for me, this is something like I would have never have chosen for myself to do. Um, but the fact that the Holy Spirit is reaching people with this is very, um, humbling. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, I, f- I feel a great honor from that, um, that I don't take lightly I'm not you know if we've said a billion times we're never gonna get on here and just spew out whatever that we're gonna be you know careful about it and um I don't know I just think it's it's pretty cool I also want to make a disclaimer (laughs) and I I felt like I should do this because um once again we are human so like I reserve the right at any time to go back to be like hey you remember what I said on podcast uh, (laughs) three at this part 
yeah, I was wrong about that. (laughs) You know, um, just because we, we do live in an age of, um, cancel culture that, um, anything you do in your past can and will be used against you in a court of law, (laughs) it seems like, but, um, you know, we're just growing together and we're not perfect. We're just trying to live out God's will, but just thank you to all of our listeners. It's a, it's a great honor. All right. Well, um, like subscribe, share, rate, review, find us on, um, Instagram, Facebook, socials, all, all the places. Bye. Bye.